Jesus began to do and to teach, and he does continue to do many things in this world and to teach many things to us. But the beautiful thing for us is that he would choose to use us to do them. To think that we can be co-laborers with the Lord himself, ministers of reconciliation on his behalf, pleading with the world to be reconciled to him, giving us gifts and empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do it. And that's really where the key verse of the book comes in. I don't know, the batteries on this may be getting low. Uh, but it says in Acts 1.8, which turns out to be the, uh, a picture of the rest of the book, is that once the Holy Spirit came, he said that they would receive power and become witnesses for him. And here's where the flow of the book comes into play. He says, you'll begin, go, just go to the next slide, will you, Brian? All right, in Jerusalem. And then it would spread to all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's the way the book unfolds. The birth of the church when the Spirit descends, and then as they become witnesses to Him, it begins to, I forgot it's up here, they begin to uh, uh, take it to the world. And the, and the next slide shows us just the basic outline we've seen in chapters 1 and 2 is the birth. Next slide, chapters 2 through 7, the growth, oh, back one. Uh, we've already seen at the, the 12 apostles and Stephen prominent as the, as the gospel went out in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 12, the growth of the church began to spread into Judea and Samaria, and Philip and Peter were highlighted and uh, uh, prominent in that part of the book. And now, since chapter 13, the growth of the church is beginning to spread to the ends of the earth. And that uh, really doesn't complete even Paul's life, but uh, the ends of the earth are, are, have spread out further since then, and our job is not done. Now, the next slide is where we're going to camp out. Can you see that? I hope. I tried to find one that was clear that I could put up there so you can see. Uh, chapter 13 was our last message before Brother Thomas came, where the first missionary journey by Barnabas and Saul, now being referred to as Paul, uh, have been traveling to various places. And they were only halfway through their journey where we left them at the end of chapter 13. And basically, according to the map here, they started in Antioch and they went down to Cyprus. And as they went across here, they, their first con, uh, convert, uh, Paulus, a, uh, a, a government official there, uh, trusted in Christ, and they came up here to these two cities and then went up into Antioch in Pisidia and they went over to Iconium and that's where chapter 13 ended and along the way of course what they're doing is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're going to see more of that today and uh, hopefully learn a few a few practical applications from what they have done to our own lives as well so now we find ourselves in Acts 14 and we'll read it together now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe 
cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. Sounds familiar after having come from Acts 4. This man heard Paul speaking, and Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness and that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. <coughs> However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when he had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they'd appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now, when they'd come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And so they stayed there a long time with the disciples. And may God bless the reading of his word again. <clears throat> so they came to Iconium, and they came there to Iconium because as they had gone from city to city, they found people who would believe and people who rejected them. And once the rejection came to a certain point, they would move on to another city. And now we find them in Iconium, which is there. Now, they shook off, that's where chapter 13 ended. They shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. Now, verse 1 tells us they went to the synagogue of the Jews. Now, I know this is repetition. We, those of us who have been hearing the whole thing, this is Paul's pattern. And I'm excited about this pattern. He went to the synagogue of the Jews. Now, why did he go there? Because that's the place where he was going to find people who had a heart towards the Lord, towards some spiritual things, and some sort of seekingness and turning towards the Lord. And when he went there, it says, they so spoke. 
that a great multitude of both the Jews and the Greeks believed. And I've been thinking, as I was considering this, about the things that we've seen going on in our midst, right? We go down to the beach, and I think it's good that we do that, right? I was, I was looking for the verse. It talks about in several places where, where Paul went to the marketplace, and they spoke to whoever they happened to be there, right? There are some times where you, we just need to be out. And as we go out, we just talk to whoever happens to be there. And sometimes if, if, if we're just in our own little rut, we won't run into new people. But we get out of our little routines and we go to the marketplace, we go to wherever, and new people are coming by and we have opportunity to engage people who we may have never seen otherwise. And in the marketplace, down at the beach or wherever it might be, we talk to people and we get a divided reaction, right? And yet, what have we found? We take these little posters, free heaven test, right? And the people who come to talk to you when you're holding the sign unless they're scoffers, which there are those who come up, right? You get into some, the the general percentage of times you get a higher degree of good conversations because you're running into people who are coming across your path because they themselves have an interest, right? They're looking for an answer. They want to know what that answer, that question, that heaven test is. And that's what Paul is doing. He says, he went to the synagogue of the Jews. Now, I was thinking, now, what would be the equivalent of that to us today? Right, uh, we go to the soccer field, right? Well, people come there may or may not have that spiritual interest, but they are coming. They know what they're getting into. That's a good place. You know, uh, we just heard about Andres met some people on Broward, Cam- Broward College campus right here down the street of a Bible club that meets on campus during the school day in the nice air-conditioned room with people who've heard about it and have come to hear the Bible. And... On the average, okay, it was a little lower when we went this last week because it's summer break and exam week. But they said they started out with about 20. They've consistently had about 10 to 15 people coming all semester long to hear the Word of God. And the young man who was there uh, the week, just last week when Andres and I went, he's Catholic, and I, I'm not sure he really understands what the difference is between what his church is teaching and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know what? He's searching and he's coming. And the word of God is going out. And it's an opportunity, an open door that the Lord has right next door to us. Uh, Some of the high school campuses of the students from our own youth group have first priority Bible studies after school. Again, the people who come to them, they're not sign up for it. It's not a class of theirs. They're coming. Why? Because they've, they've been invited and they have an interest in learning what it is that the Bible has to say. And... I remember being a student in high school and trying to talk to my friends about the Lord was difficult. How to turn those conversations to spiritual things and, and after you know the, some of the strong personalities ganging up and making fun of you in front of all your friends, it was very easy for me at that stage in my life to just get shut down. And I, I kind of uh, wimped out of the battle for much of my high school career. But here's a place where the door is open and people are coming because they want to hear the word of God and we can capitalize on these things. And most recently we heard Jim O'Brien come down and talk about how young people have the, the, the freedom in our country to get out of school during the day to come hear the word of God. It's not because we beat them over the head, but they can freely sign up for it and come. Now maybe some of them may have a little bit of a skewed uh, uh, motivation, any, partly at least, getting out of school during the school day being off campus, 
perhaps going into a big shiny bus. But it's an open door that we have in this country. And uh, the Lord seems to have put it onto the hearts of a handful of people to look into pursuing this opportunity. And um, I would just encourage us to continue to pray about that. Unbeknownst to, uh, 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 to some about the exercise that was already stirring about this, the Lord put it on the hearts of some to pursue getting this bus to help out camp, and the question came up, right? Well, what are we going to do with the other, two, the other ten months? We don't want it just sitting there. Is this the Lord putting it together, an, a do, an open door of opportunity to find those who may be searching and looking for answers? We need to pray. Uh, but it's exciting, isn't it, to think that the Spirit of God could be moving amongst us to find these areas like Paul to go to where the people are already showing interest instead of just going to those who we have no idea and, uh, 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 and, and not even knowing. I don't want to suggest that we give up on those others. I don't agree with that at all, right? Um, we need to go out and we need to tell every creature the good news of Jesus Christ and how they can be saved through faith in him. But as they so spoke, it says a great multitude believed and they can't believe unless they hear. And so we got to keep telling them just like Paul did. It was his habit. And so he went there and yet again, verse two, unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Now, here's what I thought was interesting. That's not the surprising part. All right. They don't like that Jesus name is being preached and the Jews just crucified this man and now they're going around telling everybody not only that he is the Messiah and that they can be saved by him and he rose from the dead but he's spreading in popularity people are turning to him and being saved and so now they're going around poisoning the minds of these brethren but verse 3 it says therefore they stayed there a long time you know when, when people start coming against me my first reaction is not to say hey we need to hunker down and stick let, let's, let's take it on, right? But this is what they, it says. Once they saw that these unbelieving Jews stirred up the, the, the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren, therefore they stayed there, speaking boldly in the Lord. And what happened when they did this? The Lord was bearing witness to his word, to the word of grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. God was moving. He blessed their faith in the gospel to pursue where the spiritual battle was raging. I don't like persecution. <laughs> I don't like the conflict. But we have to recognize, right, when God wants to do something, the enemy is on guard and he's going to push back. And it says, therefore, they stayed there a long time and they preached boldly the name of Jesus and God blessed and he bore witness to the word of his grace and he began to do signs and wonders. Now, signs and wonders. We don't do these things simply looking for miraculous signs. Right? Uh, many people get caught up in spiritual warfare because they want to see some demon manifestation. There are people who go out and they're just searching for signs and wonders. We're not supposed to search the signs, right? We're supposed to give the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he validates the message. Now, we learn very much uh, uh, from the parable. I shouldn't call it a parable. The story of the rich man and Lazarus. When the rich man found himself in Hades, 
and understood the truth of God's word. And yet it was too late for him. He couldn't go back and have a second chance. He pleads with Abraham to send Lazarus back to warn his brothers. Because he said, I don't want them to come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But here's what Abraham says. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one should rise from the dead. Wow. You know, in, in this day, where the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures was taking place, and... and the Spirit of God was moving on to new ground. And the New Testament had not been penned. Where could they turn to validate the truthfulness of their message? But to God Himself. And one of the ways that God would validate that is by these signs and wonders to, to point to the truthfulness of the message and the messengers who were coming with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And based on the history of the church seeing these signs and wonders fall out of prominence, seeing the completion of God's word and the reminder from Abraham that if people will not believe the word of God, they won't believe if they're signs and wonders. We shouldn't be discouraged by not seeing something miraculous like they were seeing. I mean, God does miracles. And we hear about them. We've seen them in, as God has answered our prayers in uh, preserving the lives of those we've lifted up, those who've found healing without medical intervention. Uh, God has done great things in our midst in hearing our prayers and saving souls. Um, but I don't think that we should camp out on looking for signs and wonders just because they had them then. But I do find it interesting. Although the canon is complete, I find that a lot of missionaries who've gone out into foreign places have stories of things that we don't see happening in our midst. And it seems to me that perhaps, since the Word of God is not translated into many of these languages, it's God's way in even our own day of validating the message and the messenger, bringing the gospel to foreign lands. <clears throat> but um, I'm getting out of the biblical text and into my own conjecturing here, so I, want, I don't want to be careful with that. But the exciting thing is the spiritual battle was raging the spirit of God was moving and people were turning to the Lord even in spite of the opposition however it says there came a point verse 4 where the multitude of the city was divided part with the Jews part with the apostles and when a violent attempt was made both by the Gentiles and Jews together with the rulers to abuse and stone them they became aware of it talk about the sovereignty of God Word somehow got to them that this was going to happen, and so they fled the city. They fled the city of Iconium and went to Lystra and Derby. And I thought this was interesting. You know what? I remember when I was younger hearing missionary reports like we read on Wednesday nights, and I'd wonder how do missionaries determine? They go to this foreign country. God has laid on their heart to go share the gospel with them, and. We hear about men like David Goodman, commended from the assemblies right here in South Florida, goes to Turkey and is martyred, shot at, at his own doorstep. And stayed there knowing that, that, that there was hostility against the gospel until his, his life was 
offered to the Lord. And then you hear other times where missionaries are on the mission field and, and things get turbulent and they leave. And I thought, you know, should they leave or should they stay? But th- this word here that it says they fled, I thought that's a strange word for someone like Paul. They fled. But you know, when I looked at my cross-references in the column of my text, it sent me to Matthew chapter 10. And in Matthew 10, the Lord commissioned His disciples to go out and to preach the kingdom to the the house of Israel. And He said to them, Behold, I send you out. This is Matthew 10, 16. I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's how we're supposed to be ourselves, right? In the midst of all this, I'm sending you out to get amongst the wolves, but, but you be wise like serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver brother to death, and a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Notice verse 23. And when they persecute you in the city, in this city, flee to another. For assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So, and when they deliver you up, don't worry about what you're going to say that God's going to, the, the, the Spirit will speak through you, He'll give you what to say in that hour. But when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. So when their minds were poisoned against the brethren, they stayed. But when they attempted to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby. So the Lord gave them wisdom to see the right time. He revealed the plan, and they left. And I don't think that they needed to be ashamed of having fled. The Spirit was going to use them somewhere else. The door was closing for their opportunity to speak the gospel. And you know, that's a hard thing for me, to be able to try to to say, you know what, I see the door closing in this person's life. When it comes to to other people's motives, I, I, I tend to be a little unrealistic sometimes, and I give the benefit of the benefit of the benefit of the doubt. And, uh, well, well, but I think maybe, you know, but we need to be aware that there are, are times where the door is closed in their hearts. They're no longer searching. They're, they're, they're either just arguing or who knows what their motives may be. But, God can help us to see when it's time to move on. So they come down to the next city, and they leave Iconium, and they come down to Lystra and Derby. Now, first they come to Lystra, and of course, verse 7, they were preaching the gospel there. You know, there's a saying we sometimes say today. Uh, he's a jack of all trades and master of none. But you know, I was reading somewhere, and it said that's not the way the saying used to be. I don't know if you've heard it before, but they used to say, he's a jack of all trades and master of one. 
Yes, this guy can do lots of things, but you know what? He's a master at this. How do you become a master at something? Even Michael Jordan. Some would argue the greatest basketball player of all time. But great gifting, great natural talent. But to become a master, he had to practice. He had to engage purposefully over an extended period of time to master the skills, right? And I think about Paul, and I say, you know what? He did a lot of things, but it's obvious to see his focus, right? He, he just got run out of town <laughs> again, and he goes right back to preaching the gospel there. And I sure hope that my testimony at the end of my life will be that there's been a focus towards the ministry of the Word of God and the lives of others, that there be lasting eternal fruit from the labors on this earth. And I pray that God would help us all to figure out what corner of the vineyard, what gifts He's given us so that we can all be like our kippus and fulfill the ministry that He's given to us. So He goes in Lystra, and here's this man who's crippled, just like the man in Acts where he'd never walked before. And when Paul says to him, stand up straight on your feet. He not just walked, but leaped. And I, you know, I, I've watched our children try to learn to walk, right? They've never done it before, and they've got to learn. And there's a lot of falling, not just standing, but falling, right? And they get back up, and they try, and they try, and they try, and they try, and it takes them a good while to get it down. Micah's still working on it. Um... But this didn't happen here, right? Again, signs and wonders. With with never having walked a day in his life, a step in his life, he leaped and he walked. A miracle of the incredible uh, uh, healing power of our mighty God in saving souls and working in this world. And and here, uh, it was undeniable, right? And so when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices and they said, now it, it took a little while for them to figure it out because it says he said it in the Laconian language, right? The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And I love their response. Even though they were calling them gods themselves, you know, that would really appeal to our fleshly nature, right? To be catered to like a celebrity and more than a celebrity, a god himself. But 14, with the apostles, Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, heard, when they heard this, they tore their clothes, ran in amongst the multitude and said, why are you doing these things? We are men with the same nature as you. Now, it's interesting that this happens so close in the history after Acts 12, where Herod goes to speak to the people, and these people wanting to boost them up, he goes to speak before the people, and it says, when he sat on his throne, this is uh, Acts 12, 21. So on a day set by Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, he sat on his throne and gave an oration to them, and the people kept shouting, The voice of a God and not of a man. And then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. But because he did not give glory to God, an angel of the Lord struck him, and he died. Now, you know, everywhere you look through the Bible, when an angel, who's of a whole different nature than we are, when they have revealed themselves to mankind, their first words, fear not, don't be afraid, right? Why? Because men fall down at their feet. 
And even godly men like Daniel and the Apostle John himself in Revelation goes to worship this being. And every last one of the holy angels say, don't do that. Let, I'm a created being like you. You worship God. That's a holy angel. Now Satan, on the other hand, what was his desire? I will be like God. He wanted even the Lord Jesus to bow down and worship him. They... they the fallen angels want that worship, but the holy angels don't. And one of the things that uh, 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 always is a trademark stamp on the, the holy angels in the scriptures and also the holy men of God who wrote our book, the Bible. Right? God, Peter tells us, used holy men of God. And you know, these... these cult groups who come to us trying to tell us that these other books are inspired. One of the tests to see whether their claims are true should be to look at the lives of those men. Joseph Smith or whoever it may be. And every time you'll see these were not holy men. And <clears throat> unlike the disciples here who who did everything in their power to restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them to, to deifying these men in their own hearts and minds, they would do. But on the other hand, those who would try to say that the Lord Jesus is not the Son of God, never once did He refuse someone who would, who would seek to worship Him and acknowledge who He is. He claimed it. When given worship, he did not deny it. Their opportunities were there. He is the Son of God. And uh, praise God, these men did not try to take the Lord's glory to themselves. It tells us in uh, Isaiah 42, the Lord will not share his glory with another. And we will find ourselves being opposed by God if we do not give him the credit. It's, uh, you know, we like to encourage each other from the things that we do in his service, right? But we've got to be careful not to take the glory to ourselves and somehow to be sure that we give glory to God. You know, and I remember William MacDonald even saying, you know, when you go to make retribution for wrongs that you've done, paying someone back, going, maybe you took something that wasn't right, and you go back to, to restore that to the one who, who experienced the loss because of a, a, a dishonest deed that you have done, he said, be sure to give the glory to God, even in that. Because otherwise, someone can begin to get an exalted view of us. And we begin to have glory given to us rather than to the Lord. I've never forgotten that. Because there are times we really do need to humble ourselves. But Satan is so crafty and he will do whatever he can to dethrone the works of the Lord in our lives. And uh, <clears throat> So they did refrain. They did restrain them from, multi, uh, from sacrificing to them. But the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came down. They begin to hear about these things. They Antioch and Iconium. These people are really chasing them down. You know, we're talking. Look, this is a uh, uh, hundred miles here, so they're traveling fifty, seventy miles perhaps to go hunt down Paul and Barnabas to run them out of town. But they didn't just run them out this time, right? They actually did so drag him out of town, stone him, thinking he was dead. They left him, but the Lord raised him up and he went back into town. They preached the gospel there in Derby. And when they were done preaching there, they went back. And this is where I, I just wanted to finish up our evening considering. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. You know, 
it wasn't enough just to win them to the Lord. He wanted to see them go on in strength and maturity in Christ. And uh, we need that exhorting. We need that strengthening. We need that challenge to be in the Word of God, to understand. It says, through many tribulations, verse 22, we, will, we must enter the kingdom of God. And, uh, and yet the Lord told us, right, let's not be sidetracked by those things. Like Peter was seeing the waves, he began to sink. Let's keep our eyes on Christ. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And uh, perhaps as we begin to go into this summer season with a change in our own routines, getting ready to go to camp, praying for those who are already there, seeing a new focus on the ministries that are continuing here with the soccer ministry, whatever it might be, let's not be surprised at seeming persecution. Uh, let's not be surprised at the, the spiritual battle that will take place. Let's encourage and strengthen ourselves in the Word of God, knowing that tribulations will come as we seek to enter into the fullness of the kingdom of God especially in these last days. And as Paul and Barnabas commended these believers to the Lord in whom they had believed, we can commend one another to the Lord um, day by day that we might see one another finish the course, which they did. They, they revisited these churches. They went back down to where they had begun, and they, they reported to the saints who had sent them out what had been going on and what the Lord did amongst them, the open door that the Lord provided. And they stayed together and rejoiced and continued to serve God side by side um, for many days, for many days. That's the completion of Paul's first journey, and we'll see what happens next another week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for the encouragement of your word. That although we see tribulation and persecution and resistance or whatever it might be, to know that you are working, help us to join you in that work. We look around us today and we know that you're doing things. Lord, help us to be faithful, to go out to the marketplace, to the synagogues, so to speak, where people are looking for truth. Help us to be willing to tell them. Help us to be willing to deny ourselves, like Paul, of the, the pleasures of this world for the treasures of the world to come. And the, the greatest treasures that are here are your word and the souls of men. Help us to invest ourselves in these, we pray in Jesus' name.